Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. So 3% of the Psalms. So I encourage you to be looking through the other 97% of the Psalms also. And make them part of your practice. Pray these words so that the words of the Psalms become your own. And that it gives you a, a language and a grammar to reach out to God with. But this morning, as we conclude this series on the Psalms, we're going to conclude where the Psalms conclude, with the final Psalm, Psalm 150. I'm going to read it twice here. So I invite you to hear Psalm 150. Hallelujah. Praise God in his holy place. Praise him in the vault of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him as befits his abounding greatness. Praise him with the ram's horn's blast. Praise him with the lute and the lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dance. Praise him with strings and flute. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with crashing cymbals. Let all that has breath praise Yah. Alleluia. One more time. Hallelujah. Pray, praise God in his holy place. Praise him in the vault of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him as befits his abounding greatness. Praise him with the ram's horn's blast. Praise him with the lute and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dance. Praise him with strings and flute. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with crashing cymbals. Let all that has breath praise Yah. Hallelujah. Please pray with me. Lord, you have gathered us here so that we can praise you. You've gathered us here so we can lift our voices up to you, so we can hear your word preached, so we can come to your table, but throughout it all so that we can praise you. Help us to understand what praising you means for our lives. Help us to clarify why we praise you. Help us to be aware of all the many ways in which you are working in our lives, Lord that we might respond with praise. So as we turn to your scriptures, fill this place with your Holy Spirit. May your Holy Spirit open up your word to us. May we understand what it means to go through our lives praising you. Lord, open up Psalm 150 to us now. We thank you. We ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we are here at the end of the Psalms, and Psalm 150 is the end for a specific reason. On its surface, it looks like just a series of commands, really the same command told in different ways. Praise Him. The first part of it talks about the reasons for praising God, why we'd want to praise God. It says praise Him over and over again, and He uses at the end there, that phrase, praise Yah, it's almost like a nickname for God. It's a shortening of Yahweh. That's where hallelujah comes from. The Yah at the end is the shortening of God's name that we've talked about in the psalm series. But it talks about reasons for praising God, and then it talks about different instruments to use to praise God. And it seems like it's just simple instructions, simple commands. But there's actually another aspect to Psalm 150. Another way in which this psalm isn't just a series of commands, but it's a glimpse of something great. 
Psalm 150 is the final psalm for a reason. Remember, at some point, the way the book of Psalms came together, somebody, most likely a group of people, took all these different psalms that were out there and pulled them together into one collection. And they put them in a specific order. They organized them into five different books. And they put Psalm 150 at the end, and they put Psalm 1 at the beginning, specifically. Those two, scholars have pointed out, are meant to be read together, Psalm 1 and Psalm 150. Now, we looked at Psalm 1 a few weeks ago, so I expect you all to have memorized it perfectly. But just in case you didn't, I'm going to read Psalm 1 to you now so you can see how Psalm 1 sets up the entire book of Psalms. Psalm 1 writes, Happy the man who has not walked in the wicked's counsel, nor in the way of offenders has stood, nor in the session of scoffers has sat. But the Lord's teaching is his desire, and his teaching he murmurs day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by streams of water that bears its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in all that he does he prospers. Not so the wicked, but like chaff that the wind drives away they are. Therefore the wicked will not stand up in judgment, nor offenders in the band of the righteous. For the Lord embraces the way of the righteous, and the way of the wicked is lost. At the very beginning of the Psalms, you're presented with two different paths you can take. No matter what, your life is going to be a journey. You're going to travel through ups and downs. But Psalm 1 invites you to choose which path along that journey you're going to follow. On the one hand is the path of the wicked, the scoffers, the offenders. But that way becomes lost. And on the other is the path of the righteous. But it's more than just the path of the righteous. Psalm 1 begins, and the entire Psalms begin with that one word, happy. It's not just the way of the righteous. It's the way of happiness. It's the way that you can go into a life that is happy. That's what Psalm 1 invites you to. So by the time you get to Psalm 150, when you read all of the Psalms, you've gone through an entire journey. You've experienced the full range of human emotions. You've had highs, you've had lows. You've climbed up mountains and ascended. You've descended down into valleys. The Psalms take you through all of the range of human emotions that we experience in this life. And then at the end, you wind up here at Psalm 150. And in Psalm 150, you get a picture of happiness. It's a picture of completeness. This is what happiness looks like here in Psalm 150. It's not just a series of instructions. It's a glimpse into what the way of righteousness, the way of happiness leads to in your life. One of the ways in which we as Christians can sometimes talk about happiness that I don't find particularly helpful is when we try to contrast happiness with joy. Now, people have found this helpful, and that's great if you do, but I personally don't find it all that helpful. You'll hear some preachers say this and some Christians in devotion say this, that happiness is different from joy, that happiness is fleeting, happiness is temporary, and joy is deeper, more deeply rooted and long-lasting. 
I don't find that too helpful for a couple of reasons. One, because if you go out into the world and you start talking about happiness and joy that way and you assume that's the way everybody else talks about them, well, people are going to be confused. Most people just use happiness and joy as synonyms. In fact, if you turn to the dictionary and you look up the definition of joy, you're not going to find something that is deeper and more lasting than happiness. What you find is an abundance of happiness. Joy is defined by happiness. The difference between those, the way they're popularly used, isn't one of quality where joy is better and different. It's one of quantity. Joy is just more of whatever happiness is pulled together. So I don't find it helpful because I just think it gets confusing and we start playing semantics and making up definitions. But the other reason that I don't find it helpful is that if you're told that happiness is temporary and fleeting and joy is long-lasting and joy is what God really cares about, that joy is what God wants you to have, you could get the impression that God doesn't care all that much about your day-to-day life, that the temporary feelings that we experience aren't that important to God, that the things that can frustrate you in a given day aren't that important to God, that your day-to-day life isn't as important, that temporary feelings aren't important either. But that's what our lives are actually made up of. Day-to-day things that we struggle with, Day-to-day emotions that we feel, that's actually what our lives are composed of. And God cares deeply about your happiness. Whatever definition of happiness you use, the Psalms make clear God cares deeply about it. God does want you to be happy. And the Psalms lay out what happiness actually looks like according to God. So I don't think the big mistake that human beings make is that we try to pursue happiness instead of joy or draw distinction there. I think the mistake that we make is that we mix up the gifts that make us happy for the source of those gifts. We start thinking that it's the gifts themselves where our happiness comes from, that those gifts that we have, that we enjoy, that that's the point And we lose sight of the fact that they come from a source, namely God. No matter what you've experienced, no matter what you're experiencing now, I'm sure that you can think to your own life and think of different things that make you happy or have made you happy. Things that give you a sense of contentment. Perhaps you have a job that you enjoy. I know not everyone enjoys their jobs, but I'm sure there's at least a few of you that have a job that you enjoy. Perhaps you have a job that lets you provide for yourself, for your family, for friends, where you can take pride in that work. That's good, but ultimately that's a gift from God, and it will go away someday. And the only reason that you have that job that you enjoy is because God blessed you with certain gifts, certain skills, and God put you in a time and a place where you could use those skills to help this world reflect God's character. That gift of the job that you have comes from a vocation God gave you, which is a gift. And it will go away someday. But the source of it who made it all possible, God, is eternal. God is there. God does not fade. But if you think that the job is ultimately what makes you happy, well, then of course you're going to be disappointed someday. Similarly, 
because I know some of you hate your jobs, and that's okay too. But similarly, I'm sure you could think to different relationships you have. Your marriage, friendships, family relationships, siblings, parents, different relationships you have that can make you happy, that give you that sense of happiness. It is good to have those healthy relationships, but recognize the only way any of us sinful human beings can ever have healthy relationships that give us happiness is because Jesus worked on the cross to reconcile all things, which includes human relationships. The sin that should tar all of our relationships was taken away when Jesus sacrificed himself and was then raised from the dead. That's what allows us to connect with other human beings. That's what allows us to reflect the love that is God in our own lives through the way we treat others and receive the love of others. Any happiness that you receive from the relationships in your life, ultimately it comes back to Jesus and the work God did in Jesus. The source of our gifts is what makes us happy. The gifts themselves are just an expression of who God is. And the things that make us most happy in this life are the things that root us in God's character more and more. That's where happiness is actually found. Whether it's short-term, whether it's long-lasting, any type of happiness that we experience that is true, it comes from God and it reflects God's character. So that's, I think, the biggest problem that we have as human beings when it comes to happiness that we mistake the gifts that we receive for the source of those gifts. And the Psalms push us to focus on the source of the gifts, to focus on God. And Psalm 150 here models that. It is a picture of happiness, but it's a picture of happiness that involves praising God over and over again because that's what happiness actually looks like recognizing who it is who has blessed us, recognizing who it is who sustains us, recognizing who it is who nourishes us, so that our hope is placed in this God who gives us good gifts. That's why I think Christians are able to have one of the most unique and rare types of happiness. If you go back and look at Christian history, you'll see all sorts of examples of people who have placed their trust in Jesus, who have placed their hope in Jesus, who find themselves in the midst of horrible circumstances, persecution, suffering, grief. And yet in the midst of that, they also find happiness somehow. There's a sense of hope there. There's a happiness that breaks in. They can find contentment in the most difficult of circumstances, because when you have that hope that God is going to restore all things, when you have that hope that Jesus was resurrected, that God deeply cares about you, cares about this world, and all things will be restored, it means you can find happiness in the most difficult of circumstances. It means you can praise God when the rest of the world is just experiencing pure anger or despair or hatred. It means whatever circumstances you find yourself in, you can praise him. So Psalm 150, it gives us this picture of happiness, and at its core, it looks like a celebration. I believe celebration is a core part 
of the Christian life. I mean, every single week, we gather here together to celebrate. We gather together with other people to celebrate the God who has blessed us, to celebrate the God who is redeeming this world. And I know that not all of us walk into this place happy. I know for a fact many of you bring your grief here. You bring your anger, your frustration here. But by praising him together, by modeling Psalm 150, we get a glimpse of happiness. We get encouragement. Celebration is critical to the Christian life. But I have to acknowledge, we don't all celebrate the same exact way. When you come here, I know some of you find it comfortable to clap your hands and others of you don't. I know we have different personalities here as well. Some of you think of a celebration and you think of a room packed full of people with loud music and conversations happening nonstop. For others of you, that just sounds exhausting. Celebration for you is being with a few close friends, being with a few close family members, reading a book, watching a show. Sometimes celebration is being alone, getting some peace and quiet. We're all going to celebrate in different ways based on the way God has made us. And that's okay. There's no one correct way of praising God. Different cultures praise God differently. And the same person can find themselves at different points in their lives celebrating in different ways. We all express our happiness in different ways. I know that I don't express my happiness the way that I used to when I was a teenager. There was one point in life where I found myself celebrating something in a way I never will again. I was 19 years old, and many of you know I'm obsessed with sports, particularly the Los Angeles Lakers, which are God's good gift that gives us happiness. And in 2002, the Lakers were in this series with the Sacramento Kings. I'm not going to say they're Satan's team, but in that moment it felt that way. And the Lakers were down 2-1, to one, and it looked like the series was going to be lost, but then a beautiful, beautiful man named Robert Ory, the last second shot. God bless his soul. A last second shot, very improbable. It fell, the Lakers won, and I lost my mind. I was at a friend's house. I began running around, screaming as loud as I could. I ran up his set of stairs, was going on the second story in bedrooms, just screaming, throwing things. And then I ran back and I just thought to myself, well, I didn't really think. I just acted on instinct. Hey, let's throw my whole body down the set of stairs head first. So I dove down these stairs. It was painful. And yet I was so happy and I remain happy. But I know my body cannot handle that anymore. Throughout our lives, we all experience and express happiness differently. We're going to express it differently the point isn't that we express happiness perfectly or that we praise God in one certain way. The point is that we express our happiness however best we can. As Christians, that we let this world know that we have reason for hope, that in whatever circumstances, we have belief that God has restored this world, will restore this world, that whatever we have lost, it will be restored again. The point is that we express that that we praise him in whatever ways we find ourselves comfortable, whatever ways are natural to us. 
for the sake of the church here so we can sustain one another, and for the sake of this world that desperately needs to know that there is a God who loves them, a God who cares about their happiness, a God who cares about their day-to-day lives. Psalm 150 gives us that picture, gives us that invitation to praise him. That's what happiness looks like. So this morning, I invite you to praise God. Praise God in his holy place. Praise him in the vault of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him as befits his abounding greatness. Praise him with the ram's horns blast. Praise him with the lute and the lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dance. Praise him with strings and flute. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with crashing cymbals. Let all that has breath praise Yah. Alleluia. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you that you care about our happiness. We thank you that you care about our happiness so much so that you are willing to endure suffering, willing to endure death, that this world might be reconciled reconciled to you, and that we human beings might be reconciled to one another. You did all this so that we might be happy with the happiness that is rooted in you. So help us to not mistake the gifts you give us for you. Help us to understand what it is that ultimately makes us happy. Help us to celebrate that happiness also. Help us to express that happiness, Lord. In the same way, Psalm 150 gives us this picture of all of these different instruments. We know that you bring all of us together and all of our differences into your church to celebrate you however best we can. So Lord, help us to do so. And Lord, as we take our offering now, bless this offering that we might bless others. Bless this offering that we might model the happiness we've received in you to others. Bless this offering that others might be invited into the relationship we have with you. Lord, bless this offering so that the happiness we have that's rooted in you can spread throughout this world, that hope can spread. We thank you and we praise you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.